the sign-up sheet around and just put your name on there so we can stay connected with you for sure. So it's good to see you men, uh, a few new guys tonight. I'm very excited because uh, Craig, my good friend, uh, is going to be uh, sharing tonight. And um, he has uh, a ministry um, called uh, Peregrine Ministry. And he uh, has several expressions, uh, primarily at least where I see the greatest return all over Colorado Springs is just uh, in the life on life, uh, coaching and mentoring. He is uh, a discipleship. It is his call. It's his passion. And um, and so he's just a good man to uh, latch on to uh, in that regard. So one of the other expressions of Craig is um, he does a uh, passage to manhood, which he'll share a little bit about. So particularly you dads uh, of sons uh, stepping into their teenage years, uh, that is um, it, it more than just an event. It's more of a process of raising boys to men. And he is just incredibly gifted and called into that work. And so you'll hear just uh, his heart behind that and then uh, an opportunity maybe afterwards. And so, which the timing of that is interesting uh, because Craig and I were bouncing around kind of where we're at and where we've been talking the last uh, few weeks. And uh, Craig could talk about about a hundred things. <laughs> and, um, and particularly tonight is interesting for me because I'm going to be just like you guys taking notes uh, because my daughter Bethany just turned 13 uh, today. And so uh, it, it was fun to celebrate her and just at 430 uh, today, 13 years ago, she was born, and uh, that day is marked because we had Chick-fil-A right before, you know, going to the hospital because my wife wanted a sandwich. So, um, but I remember that. Isn't that funny about what you remember on the day that your kids are born? And so, um, but we just had a lot of fun this morning just doing some of our little traditions, breakfast in bed, and just, uh, and one of my favorite things uh, for me, for each of my kids is getting up early and just spending time just really writing a letter to my kids um, and I was able to do so this morning for Bethany and just sitting back and just thinking of ways uh, on that particular morning to just bless um, you know my daughter uh, and put that in writing this morning and and so for me is my father's heart that that's just a tender moment for a dad and um I think I might have shared with you my Ellie, who just turned 15, and, you know, watch out because she's driving now, right? And so uh, with her learner's permit, um, I sat down one morning, and uh, you guys can take this for what it's worth, but I, I've had this uh, thing. I've been trying to figure out how to do this for years because my handwriting is, uh, well, it's, you know, not so good, right? And so to sit down and actually write out a long letter, because this was her 15th year, and I just kind of had a lot of things on my heart that I wanted to share with my 15-year-old coming up. So I just I, I, I searched on the Internet, and I found a font that closely resembled my handwriting. <laughs> and so I just, I just sat down one morning, and I, and I had a couple of scriptures in mind and a couple stories that I was remembering, and I wanted to relay some of those things and that was kind of my grounding for my letter. Well, next thing you know, it was like three, 4,000 words later um, that I finished, and I put that font on there and printed it out, rolled it up like in a scroll, put a little cutesy ribbon on that. And, um, and so she got that. And, and also part of the, the catch you know, piece with that is that, uh, you know, my kids are like, I'll have to read daddy's later. And that seems to be kind of the norm because there's presence in front of them. So that was the same for this morning, the same for my, my Ellie, uh, last month. But about three days later, I didn't hear anything about three days later, she comes up from downstairs, just bawling and you're like, uh Oh, what, what's this? And then it was just, Oh, daddy, thank you. That was wonderful. That was amazing. You know, it was great. And so it made me feel good. And so she's got that there. And but the fun part of that story is a few minutes later, she was like, Dad, I can't believe that you wrote that whole letter. But, you know, I didn't realize you wrote your cues so weird. <laughs> and I was like, yes, it worked. So anyway, so you guys can try to find your handwriting on the Internet. It's possible, right? You can even fool your daughter or son. So, but, uh, so tonight's topic is... is uh, you know, close to my heart, it's close to Craig's heart of just 
uh, blessing your children, and he's going to really uh, lead us through a way to think through that. And, uh, and it's, it's a great subject. It's an awesome subject, incredibly practical. But at the same time, I would just ask you guys to prepare your hearts as well because there, many of us have a background that we didn't necessarily see that modeled for us. And so I would just go ahead and just ask you just to prepare your hearts for to break whatever chain break whatever curses, and that you have a Heavenly Father who wants to bless you, and the overflow of that is so that you can bless your children. And so just open your hearts tonight so that the Spirit of God can really speak to you on behalf of your children. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the message you have in store tonight. And I just pray that you prepare these men's hearts And Lord, uh, I just pray for a spirit of grace over this room, that uh, grace is uh, just the anointing and the oil and the machinery of our hearts. And so, Lord, I just pray that these guys don't overheat too quickly with just disappointments from their past or whatever. But Lord, this room would just have such your spirit over it that we can receive a word from the Father through Craig. So just anoint Craig's lips, and we just want to hear from you tonight. We love you in Jesus' name. Craig? Thank you very much. Thank you, Russell. Hello, gentlemen. Good to be back with you again. Some of you have no idea who I am, but I was here last October and November and had the chance to speak a couple of times to the large group and then met with a small group of guys for about five or six weeks and walked through a, a passage, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. And I really enjoyed being with you guys, and I, I recognize several of you, so good to see you guys again. And Russell, thank you for, well, your comments about how much blessing is, is near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you're right. It is. It really is. And I also appreciate the fact that some of you men may not be fathers. In fact, how many of you have zero children, whether you're married or not? So a handful of you. How many of you do have children? And how many of you have children who have children? That means you're a grandfather. Me too. I've got three granddaughters and one coming on the way in June, another one. Oh, wow, something very special about granddaughters or grandsons. But I want to tell you guys who do not have kids yet or may never have kids, blessing is not directly associated only with children. You know that, right? It is not just about your kids. It is about passing on a gift to someone else. Another man, a woman, a child who is not your own, or your own children. Blessing goes way beyond biology and direct genetics. A number of years ago, a survey was conducted with about a thousand or so people who were 90 or over lived a lot of life, and they were asked the question, if you could live life, your life over again, what would you do differently? That's a fascinating question, and the responses are fascinating. And, of course, they covered the spectrum, all sorts of comments, but those who conducted the survey saw that they fit into three primary responses. The first was, I would reflect more on life. I would take more time to think through the deeper issues of what's really going on, what really matters. Hey, how are you doing? I would spend time, rather than just getting wrapped up in the speed of life and letting it control me, I would set the pace. I would reflect more. That was the first response. Second response, I would risk more. I would take more chances. You know, in retrospect, now that I'm 90, looking back, I could say, you know what? 
I'd take some more chances. It turns out that making mistakes is not always a disaster. And in fact, sometimes there's a blessing in disguise. Sometimes I learn and I grow. Sometimes good things happen, even though I didn't plan on them. I would risk more, and I would live life less fearfully. I would take more time to think through. I would reflect more, and I would risk more. Third response, I would do more that lasts after I'm gone. That's legacy. I would do more that lasts after I'm gone. Not I would buy more property that lasts after I'm gone. Not I would store up stuff in some security garage somewhere after I'm gone. Being the wealthiest guy in the cemetery no longer matters. I would do more stuff that lasts after I'm gone. In other words, I would leave some things in other people's lives. That is legacy. Your fingerprint in the lives of other people is your legacy. Proverbs 13.22 refers to this concept. The first half of the verse says, a good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. A good life gets passed on to the next generation, and then the next one, and then the next one. And again, guys, I'll tell you, that's not only through children. A good life gets passed on and on, and on, and on. And I would say there's very few ways that that can be passed on more significantly than by giving a blessing to other people, and particularly giving a blessing to our children. I raised my family, along with my wife, in a northwest suburb of Chicago that was about 80% Jewish. And when my kids reached 12 and 13, they started getting invited. I keep tripping over this thing. I don't really need it there. They started getting invited to all sorts of bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. That's for girls. And they said, hey, can we go? And we said, absolutely. This is fascinating. I know about these things. I've heard about them. I've read about them. Yes, go. See what happens there. And year after year, I've got three kids They were invited to dozens of these things and would come back and tell my wife and I the story of public blessing, where the family and the community and the center of faith comes together and identifies a boy and says, today we celebrate you as a man. Wow, that matters. And I grew up in churches, in evangelical churches, since, I mean, from birth. And I realized, you know, we're missing something. We do not have this. Most of us do not have it. Most of our churches do not. I mean, we've got Boys Brigade and Awana and a variety of things like that. Maybe catechism if you come from some other kind of denomination. But that's different. That's passing on information, important information about Scripture, about God, about faith, important things. But that's different. The family, the community, and the place of faith identifying a boy or girl and saying, today we honor you. You're in. You're a man. In the case of a girl, they say you're a woman. There's something significant about that. That is blessing. And it just pointed out to me, we are missing something like that, in, in, at least in my background, and I think in most evangelical churches. You know, when Jesus was on earth, he was virtually unheard of for 30 years, except for that one time he taught in the temple. For 30 years, he was pretty much unheard of, and then a profound event happened. It's called kairos, the Greek word for time. Two Greek words for time. Chronos, measurable time like your chronometer or the chronology, and kairos, a significant moment in time. Giant, huge with meaning, kairos. A kairos event happened in Jesus' life when he was baptized in the Jordan River, 
and he came out, and the heavens opened up, and the voice of the Father, Matthew 3, 16, 17, says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Up to that point, Jesus was unheard of. In the next three years, he changed all of history. The blessing of the Father launched him into changing the world. That wasn't the only time those words were used by the Father of his Son. There was another time. Can you guys think of it? Anybody know? Not the crucifixion. Yes, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Good guess, though. Where he was with Peter and John and James. And this light and shroud covered over them. And the voice of the Father once again said, This is my Son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And one more phrase. Huh? Yeah. Listen to him. I love that. Why do you remember that? It's big. Listen to him. Today's language, he brings something to the table. That's my boy. I love him. I'm proud of him. He's bringing something to the table. Pay attention. Watch. Follow. Those are huge words from a father to a child, to a son or to a daughter. Those words communicate four things. Identification. This is my son. Affection. I love him. Affirmation. I'm proud of him. Anointing. I believe in him. Got that? Identification, affection, affirmation, anointing. Just a couple of sentences from a father did that for a son, and it changed history. This is why I think blessing is so significant. And men, we can do the same. Those of us who are fathers can do the same with our children. My oldest son is named Alec. He's now, uh, wow, in just about a week, he turns 31. When Alec was 13, I had a rudimentary idea of some kind of bar mitzvah I wanted to do for him. I mean, really rudimentary. And so I invited my father, who was in town in Chicago. He was in town from Florida, and I gave him a heads up, and I said, hey, I just want to do some kind of a special grandfather-father thing for Alec. It's going to be really simple, but just I gave him a couple of ideas of things to be prepared for, and we had an, the three of us had an evening together. 1995. Well, the most guy place you could be in Chicago in 1995 was Michael Jordan's restaurant. That's where we went. Very laden with testosterone. Tons of plaques, photographs, basketballs. You know, we're hoping, will MJ show up tonight? He did not. But what a place to be. And we sat there in a booth... And I asked my dad the question that I asked him to be prepared for. Two questions, really. Dad, could you pass on to Alec what you think it means to be a man? And my dad was in his 70s then. Could you tell Alec, based on your seven decades, what does it mean to be a man? And then I did. Really simple. Like I said, rudimentary, basic stuff. And then I asked my dad, would you say to Alec what manly qualities you admire in him? Would you just tell him, what do you see? Grandfathers can do that pretty easily. Fathers tend to go, eh, well, I wish he would cut his hair, or he should have done the lawn, and I'm not sure he's worth the allowance we're paying him. Grandfathers, on the other hand, can say, I love how tender you are. I'm, I'm amazed at how tender you are for a boy your age. I admire the fact that you're responsible and self-disciplined. Not many 13-year-old guys are. 
my grandfather is saying to my son, I see you. I notice you. You bring something to the table. Listen to him. It's big, you guys. We spent 99% of the time gawking at the, at the restaurant and eating the food and 1% of the time saying these things. But to me, that was the core. That was the most important part of it. And Alec was able to walk away with an anointing. I've got three kids, by the way. My oldest uh, child is, is my daughter, Barkley, and she's 33, and then there's Alec, and then there's Connor, who is 28. <clears throat> Connor and Alec came with me a number of years ago to stand in the gap in Washington, D.C., the Promise Keepers thing, where a number of you guys were there, right? I remember a couple of you look familiar. (laughs) I, I brought my boys with... And it so turned out, I was leading a men's ministry at a church in Chicago and and arranged for six buses of 54 men to to go. So we drove through the night, uh, I guess it was on Friday night, and arrived, you know, in the mall, bleary-eyed Saturday morning, and sat by the Washington Monument, and had a great time. But that night, we stayed overnight at a campground, really more of a conference center retreat-type place, that a friend had set up for me on Chesapeake Bay. And the next morning woke up and a number of us went down to the, to the bay there and just watched the sun come up. It was just gorgeous. There were th- over 300 of us. It was just very cool to watch the next day start. Went inside, had a great breakfast, you know, a guy breakfast. It wasn't bagels and whatever, or quiche. It was, it was eggs and sausage and bacon and pancakes and French toast and syrup and powdered sugar and all of that stuff. And afterward, I got up front. I had a few announcements to give. And then I asked Connor to come up, my youngest son. I asked him to come up. I think I might have given him a heads up because it was his 16th, his, his, uh, 16th birthday. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. I wanted to say, hey, this is my son. I love him. I'm so proud of him. Every now and then I'm really disappointed, but I'm pretty proud of him. And guys, today's his 16th birthday. Would you do me the honor of singing happy birthday to Connor? 300 whatever men jumped to their feet and belted out happy birthday and then spontaneously raised their arms and stretched them toward Connor. I didn't see that coming. Tears just streamed down my cheeks. That they would spontaneously somehow know what to do. When a man honors a boy or a young man, he stands and he reaches out and he stretches toward. God, they gave Connor a wonderful gift that day. Only men can anoint boys into manhood. It takes a man to tell a man that he's a man. That's one of the biggest things that you fathers can do with your sons. It takes a man to tell a man he's a man. Moms and women can do some other very, very important things, really significant things that guys can't do. The kind of love, the tenderness, the embracing, the nurturing, the believing in, the never let you go. You are the most valuable thing in my life is one of the things a mom can give a son. But she cannot convince him he's a man. It takes a man to tell a man he's a man. How come? Because only men are men. It sounds stupidly simple. But only men know what it looks like to be a man. And when a guy says, you're in, that conveys a blessing. That conveys a message of significance. And as Russell said... Since those years, 
I've developed a program that's called Passage to Manhood. In fact, it was virtually exactly at the same time. I pulled together a group of guys and said, hey, we need to be thinking about how are we anointing and initiating and blessing our teenage boys? And we put together the skeleton of a program that's now called Passage to Manhood. I'm doing a retreat for fathers and teenage sons this summer in June. And I just want to mention this really quickly. It's June 20th to 23rd at Bear Trap Ranch. I don't know if you know where that is, but it's about 20 minutes west of the Broadmoor. Beautiful location. Fairly close. Feels like remote mountains. And it's going to be fathers and teenage sons, boys who are 13 to 17. And so if you're a dad of a boy in that category who might be here June 20th to 23rd, I want to invite you to consider coming with me. There will be teaching. There will be adventure, doable adventure. It's not the X Games. After all, I have to do it too. There will be videos, there will be contests, games, fun, a bunch of stuff. There will be food. But at the very end, what we do is we come back down the mountain to Glen Erie, the castle over there on the west side of the city, and the Great Hall, the coolest room in Colorado. Our families meet us there, and the fathers anoint the sons in public. Give a public blessing. You know, with that giant elk looking over the hearth and... You know, stained glass windows and chandeliers and wood and stone. June 20th to 23rd. If you're in that category, you've got a son who's 13 to 17. I've got some of these handouts over there on that table right over there in the corner. And uh, unfortunately, my contact info is not on there, but I've got a bunch of cards with my email address or phone number. And I can't stick around all night tonight, but after I'm done talking, if, if you're in that category, please pick up one of those. I'd love to hear from you. It takes a man to tell a man that he's a man. And none more so than the father. The voice of the father, you guys, is so significant. The voice of the father conveys and communicates significance Worth, identity. By the way, both to sons and to daughters. It's one of the profoundest mysteries I know about fathers. Is that a mom gives the model to her daughter about what it looks like to be a woman. And the father gives a model to his son about what it looks like to be a guy. The father passes on to the son the message, you got it, you're in, you're significant, you're a man. The father also is the voice who says to the daughter, you're in, you're feminine, you're a woman. I love that about you. It's the voice of the father. Our society can fight that and argue it and rail against it. doesn't seem like that's fair. Go to, the father, go to the Father about that. He's the one who decided. It's the voice of the Father that conveys significance and identity and blessing. Guys, this is huge. It's your voice. And it's because your voice is the closest voice that your daughters will hear that sounds like God's. Or your sons will hear that sounds like God's. Another way of putting it, our children see God through the lens of us. Children see God through the lens of their father. Kind, loving, present, forgiving, gracious father. Wow, he's even more of that. Distant, cold, accusing, angry, absent father. He is even more of that. It's the Father. Fathers are so significant. And I'll say right away, and I'll say it again, it's never too late to change the pattern of our fathering. And boy, is it true, some of us did not get a good model. 
I'm well aware of that. I got a pretty good one. Many of us in this room did not. And it's now incumbent on us, it's our calling to change that pattern, to change the legacy. We got an inheritance, transformation changes the legacy we pass on. It's never too late, you guys. It can be late-ish. It can be sort of late, but it's never, it's never too late as long as you're breathing. It is never too late. And your voice matters that much. I think it's interesting that at the end of his life, the last words that are really recorded about Jesus, ever since he showed up with Pilate and was accused and asked, do you not defend yourself? And he was silent. Everything he said after that was blessing. Look it up. Carrying the cross on the way to Golgotha. Where is it? Blessing to women who mourn. Blessing to his mother and John. Blessing to those crucified with him. Those blessing to those who crucified him. Lord, they don't even know what they're doing. Later, after he rose from the dead, he spoke blessing to Peter as the foundation of the church. And his very last words on earth were blessing to his followers. Go, make disciples. Go to the ends of the earth, and as far as you go, I'm going with you. Blessing, blessing, blessing. I see you. I believe in you. You've got something that you bring to the table. Jesus was a blesser. And so can we be. Identification. I see you. Affection. I love you. Affirmation. I'm proud of you. Anointing. I believe in you. So you may ask, okay, how do I go about doing a blessing? Some of you are familiar with John Trent, and he's written a book on this, and I'll just summarize five quick components that he talks about. Five quick things. First of all, meaningful touch. A hand on the arm, an arm around the shoulder, a hug, a handshake. Whatever it is, meaningful touch. And I want to invite you to think about not just you and your child, but you and another man, you and another guy. Meaningful touch. Not awkward, kind of half there, half not. Just touch. Grab the arm. Shake the hand. Every now and then I run into guys and I go to shake their hand and I feel like I'm shaking a board It's like, get out of my face, Craig. I know you want to hug me, but get away. Touch. Meaningful touch. Second, spoken word. Not silent prayer. Not an unannounced prayer request. Loud, authoritative words. Publicly, if possible. I believe in this guy. I just want to let you know what I see in this man. Man, I respect that in him. Or you say that to another guy directly to him. Spoken words. Third, attach high value. God's, Jesus' father did that. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I love you. Fourth, picture a special future. Speak life into them. To our daughter, Barkley, when she was growing up, she'd play with the neighbor kids in our basement, and they had it set up as a schoolroom with blackboards and kids' names taped to the wall and chairs and tables turned upside down to pretend like they're desks. And we just said, honey, you're a teacher. I mean, we're just, it's just what we're seeing. You're a teacher, aren't you? I love to teach. Well, maybe someday you'll be a teacher. Well, someday she was first and second graders for five years until she got pregnant. We didn't make her be that way. We just noticed. We spotted something. You're a teacher, undeniably. Meaningful touch, spoken words, attach high value, picture a special future. Active 
commitment. Not just one-time deal and be on your way, be well-fed, and now I've got to go bless my, my, my other son. Active commitment. I'm with you in this journey. And again, it's not just kids, you guys. It's other men. Or it's your wife. Active commitment. I will stand by you. I will pray for you. I will fight for you. I will believe in you. My son Connor, when he graduated from CSU, studied communications. It's one of those degrees that, you know, it's kind of like, what do you really do with that? How do you, how do you get employed as a communicator? Uh, it, it was, well, actually, he wanted to be a sports broadcaster, and he broadcast on the radio for the Rams while he was there. But nobody, the Cubs didn't want to hire him. That was his dream. Not even the Rockies wanted to hire him. Actually, the Sky Sox did, so he did some broadcasts for the Sky Sox, but he couldn't find a full-time job other than clearing tables and setting up banquets for embassy suites for two years. I like embassy suites. We take our kids there every now and then for weekend things. But come on. He can do something more than this. This boy brings something to the table. And we just told him, Connor, we see something in you. You do have communication ability. You do have leadership ability. You have a way of being able to convince people and find a point of connection with other people regardless. There's something you've got about building a bridge with just about every, anybody you meet. And Connor happened to get a part-time job with TripAdvisor, and now he's a team lead sales guy responsible for a bunch of salespeople lining up hotels with TripAdvisor. He connects, he communicates, he guides, and he leads. We're with you in the long haul, even when you're unemployed. We're with you. Last little story I want to tell you an example is with our daughter, Barkley. Um, just so you know, this isn't only with boys can you do this. When Barkley was whatever age she was, she had her, her, her first period. And I knew enough that this is a conversation I do not need to be a part of. This is a mother-daughter talk. <laughs> Stay out of the way. But I also knew there was something in me saying, somehow you need to let her know it's not even, not only okay, it is cool. You know, and you like it. She's a woman. I didn't know what to say, what to do. I had no idea. I don't, maybe there was a book about it. I don't know. But I just decided to take her out on a date. She's about 13 or so. And we got all dressed up. I put on a suit and tie. And your, your daughter's 13 today, did you say, Russell? <laughs> How cool. I put on a suit and tie. She put on a big, long, flowing dress. We went to a restaurant that was kind of shaped like a castle. And, I, you know, I chose it on purpose. And I knew that they had um, a room that was like a turret. It was a round room. And we went in there, asked to be seated in the turret. And we were the only ones. We got there kind of early. But that was fine. We sat in the middle table of this whole thing and had a nice meal. And I brought a rose, and I just said, hey, honey, um, mom told me you became a woman. And I just want to let you know, I love that about you. I love that you're a woman. I like Connor and Alec. In fact, I love them too. But I love that you're a woman. That's all. That's enough. There was music going around on, you know, in the loudspeakers and stuff, and then I just had a crazy idea. Hmm, honey, would you like to dance? And I'm, I'm no particular dancer, but I just said, hey, would you like to dance with me? And she said, sure. And so I acted all formal like a king, and she's a queen, and, you know, bowed down and held her hand. And we got in the middle of the floor and just started dancing to the music. There was nobody else in the room, thank goodness except for one person. And I saw our waitress, her head around the corner 
in the back of the room watching. And then she disappeared, and we kept on dancing. And then I swung around, and I saw two waitresses, and then a third, and then a fourth. And they weren't hiding. They came into the room, and they just stood there and smiled and watched. Guys, even the world knows when someone is being blessed. Even the world gets this. Blessing and anointing is profoundly sacred. And it matters especially, especially when it comes from a man to someone else. Those waitresses back there knew that girl's getting anointed by her father. I don't think Barclay will ever forget it. And I know I won't. Proverbs 13.22, a good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. Men, that's our calling, to pass on who we are to the next generation and the next generation and to our own generation and to the women in our lives, maybe even to our parents. In fact, I won't say maybe. Yes, even to our parents. Mom and Dad, I want to let you know I'm so grateful for you, if you can say that. But it's not just lower or younger generations. It's the impact of our touch, our voice, our eyes, our presence. It's the fingerprint that we leave on the lives of other people. That is a blessing. And men, you can do it. There are people in your life that are longing for you to say a word of blessing. And yes, we can look back and go, holy cow, uh, I should have done this about 10 years ago. Or I wish I'd thought of this 20 years ago. I know that. I'll say it again. It's never too late. You're still a man. You're still breathing. You may still be a father. You count and you matter. I want to ask you guys to stand up. Would you please? And I want to speak a word of blessing to you. And I can't give touch to all of you guys, so I'm just going to ask you, just connect to the guy next to you, okay? I'm not asking for a full frontal hug. Just put your arm on his shoulder, would you please? Just touch And I ask you, would you please receive these words of blessing? Almighty God, give us wisdom to perceive you, intelligence to understand you, diligence to seek you, patience to wait for you, vision to behold you, a heart to meditate upon you, a life to to proclaim you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And Lord, be with us to guide us. Be within us to strengthen us. Without us to protect us. Above us to raise us. Beneath us to uphold us. Before us to lead us behind us, to guard us, ever about us, this day and evermore. This day and evermore. Amen. God bless you, men. You all matter. Thank you. And Russell, I think, did you want me to have some discussion questions, or is there another plan? Is that okay? I got, in case you guys want to talk, (laughs) uh, in case you want to talk about this at your table, and I think Russell might like you to, I got four questions to recommend you you talk about with each other. And they're not awkward, they're not, you know, horribly revealing. The first is, did your father or some group of men ever bless you? 
did your father or some other group of men ever bless you? By the way, I see two guys here who I'm pretty sure the answer is yes in uniform. Some group of guys, I don't know if it was their dad, but some group of guys blessed them. When was that? What did it look like? Okay, that's question number one. Question number two. What do you wish your father had said about you in public? Think about that. Is there anything that comes to your mind about a gap? Something you wish, you know, I just wish my dad had acknowledged the fact that. Is there anything that you wish your dad had mentioned about you in public? And the reason for this question is not so you can be angry with him and point a finger at him and have all sorts of bile and and nervous breakdowns about it. It's not that at all. It's because of the next question, question number three. When could you say something like that to one of your children? There's a connection between question two and number three. What do you wish your dad had said? Number three, when could you say something like that to one of your kids or about one of your kids? And then fourthly, and this is especially for you who are either married or don't have kids, who's a man or a woman who you would really like to bless? Who's a man or a woman you would really like to bless? And I'll say it again. It does not have to be some awkward, weird, kind of squishy thing. It's, It's going up to a guy and saying, I don't know if anybody has ever said this to you before, but you have a quality of wisdom about you that's constantly coming out of you. Constantly. Every time you show up, I sense wisdom from you, and I admire that. Period. That's a blessing. And he'll never forget it. Okay? So those are four questions you can talk about. I want to remind you again, if you got a 13 to 17-year-old son and are interested to hear more, please pick up one of these things in my business card over there in that corner table, and I'd love to hear from you, okay? Thanks, you guys. Bless you. Is that enough for you all to talk about this evening? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just uh, encourage you guys to engage. Um, As I was sitting there listening, um, I think everyone, does everyone agree with what he said tonight? Um, This stuff stirs me because it's hardwired in me. But just as I was praying and thinking as Craig was talking, just the word mute came to mind. What would keep you from doing this? And I would just encourage you tonight that this isn't just a a discussion just to respond, um, to intellectualize. But this is a safe place, guys. And let this time maybe even lead into a role play, if you will, uh, because you know what? For many of us, this is very awkward. If you've never been blessed or you've never seen it modeled, what Craig is suggesting is that we would turn around and do this for someone else. And for many of us, that scares the life out of us. Anybody? Yep. Right. And so I'd like to just, um, for some of you guys that, um, this is a really big deal. Um, I'll give you uh, an example that just for me was this morning uh, in a case that here it's my daughter's birthday, and we had some fun with that. But uh, very practically, a, a guy who's not uh, a son or daughter, he's a young man that I've 
walked with uh, for probably five years, and I have some history. And he was facing some challenges, and, and as I was listening to him, I just felt prompted to ask him, um, Jordan, what, what do you see as your primary strengths? And the second thing is, what do you see as your primary spiritual gifts? And I said, I just want to give you just a chance to think about that. And then I got up and went and got a refill of my coffee, and I came back a couple minutes later. And he began sharing. And again, we have some history. And he talked about just his strengths, and it's in context of an expression of that. And then, and that was a little bit easier for him, but when we got to spiritual gifts, he stumbled a little bit. And what, it was so wonderful because he was, we were drawing that out, and it gave me the opportunity to affirm that in him. And, and this was just a natural conversation of what do you, what has God put inside of you? And, it, and as he said it, I could affirm that in him. And because of our history, I could speak to that with a little bit of story. I remember when. And many times over the next 45 minutes, he teared up because I realized that he doesn't have many men in his life that speak that way. But in terms of just what did that look like, it was, what are your strengths and what are the gifts that God has put inside of you and what's the expression of that in your life? And it was just a conversation. And as we moved through that conversation, I could stop and just affirm that in him. And it was a blessing to Jordan. And I just share that as a model that maybe that's what this can be for you guys tonight. Some of you guys don't know one another, but as you engage with these questions, um, particularly some of you guys that are a little further along, stop in the moment and look for opportunities to bless one another, even in these next few moments. Simply affirm what you see and hear in one another just to begin just getting the getting moving in this so that none of us would leave here mute right because <laughs> we've got some mute guys in here so craig I just, i'd like to jump on something that russell said or jump off of it springboard off of it um that that comment that he made that some of us are scared to death about this I'm really glad that you mentioned that and observed that, and I, I didn't see who raised their hands, but I'm sure there were some here in that category. I was. I was. Why, why, why are we scared to death of that? I'm, I'm asking you to respond. What? Yes. Yes. They're not sure what it means to be a woman. Now, I guarantee you, all of the confusion is because their fathers never identified them as a man mm. or as a woman. Mm. I guarantee you, your daughter will never have issues with the femininity mm. who she is and who God has created her. And now, with what's going on in our school systems and our culture and pop music and what's been coming down from the laws, this is the only way. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Embracing her femininity. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. There's some conviction behind those words there. 
somebody said something about the fear. Why are we afraid? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. What if they take advantage of me if I'm too soft or too tender? I don't discipline them. Okay. I was. <laughs> Just let me say, show them who God is. They're looking at God through you. They are. Right through you. This is what God looks like. Show them the whole God. Um, foreign concept, yes. You just said a mouthful. Shame, huge. Huge. Guys, I don't think there's any bigger issue for men than shame. I could, I, I, I could go on for a long time about this one. Shame is not guilt. Guilt is conviction about behavior. It's appropriate. It's black and white. You either lied or you didn't. You either shoplifted or you didn't. You're guilty or you're not. That's guilt. Shame is not that. Shame is condemnation about your identity. Not conviction about your behavior, condemnation about your identity. You are broken. There's something completely screwed up about you in a unique way, and no one else is like you. You're the only one this screwed up, and it's unfixable. That's shame. Yep, that's shame. And it comes from, not the Holy Spirit, the author of lies. Yes, sir. Yeah. What's what? What's normal? I'll tell you what's normal. I'll tell you what's normal. And here again, that's a big subject, and we can talk a very long time about it. But I'll give you, I'll give you just a few words. What's normal is that men matter. They just don't think so. That's normal. I'll say it again. Men matter. They just don't think so. Because of shame, because of condemnation, because of undermining, because of ignoring, because of all sorts of stuff, because of self-doubt, because of messages that say your significance is based on how much you own, how much you control, and what other people think of you. That's what your significance is. How well are you doing on all of those? Well, if any one of them's gone, you're hurting. If two are gone, you're in big trouble. And if three are gone, you think you're in despair because you believe the lie. We all believe that lie, and we need to stop it. That is not where your significance is. Your significance is in the fact that the creator of the universe knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew you before you lived one day. That's why you matter. And then his son died so that you'd spend eternity with him. That's why you matter. That's it. Men matter. They just don't think so. And so we pursue all sorts of other ways to try to prove our significance or compensate for the message that says, you are so screwed. No one is the mess you are. What right do I have to go to this guy and say, hey, I appreciate the fact that whatever. I see this in you. What right do I have to say that? You do. Do you want to know why? Because you matter. Because you're a man. Anyway, I just, it's enough to say on that.
I could preach for a long time on that one. Hey guys, we're uh, scratching on the reason why the net is here. Um, and uh, you guys feel it? So there's a broken male cult- culture, and um, we live in it, and, but yet we're going to rise above it, right guys? And so we are going to be more in conquerors, and this issue of shame is a lie, and these next few moments, let the truth set us free. Amen? Let's be liberated for who we are as men, um, and let us speak to the masculine soul by just speaking manhood over one another, because that's the very thing that the Father has spoken over us. So we're blessed as sons, and the Father said so. So let's enjoy these next few minutes, and uh, you guys give a round of applause for Craig. So, Have fun.